The opinions and views expressed in this video are purely for entertainment purposes and not for investment advice. Hello, YouTubers. Welcome to another episode of the Jacked of All Trades podcast. My name is Brandon. I'm the Bull of Bay Street. This is episode 16. And as always, we have David and Kaylin as your hosts. Guys, we have so much to talk about from stocks to bonds to crypto. It was a crazy week, wasn't it? Yeah. It's probably crazier for you guys than it was for me, but yeah. <laughs> it depends what crazy you want to look at. For me, it's the bad kind of crazy. I was stressed as hell and nothing positive happened to me. <laughs> well, you made 35 bucks, you said, right? <laughs> 35 bucks. That's positive, I, I, I view that as a negative because what it could have been. <laughs> I mean, Man, let your winners run always. Yeah, I didn't make a single trade this week. There's nothing going on in my world. You, know, remember, you guys remember, know what I, I did. I, I'm trying to recover as a PTSD like you know recipient, so like I need to like <laughs> I, I can't I I don't I don't have the guts to let winners run right now. Clearly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're shell shocked right now. I got to get your game back. I'm very shell shocked. I need I I think I'm gonna need a long time to build back the confidence. Yeah, that's because right. like I did I did I did everything right this week. I set like like I do what you do now. Like instead of setting one order, I'll set like three. Just to mm -hmm. see if they'll hit, and I'm like, I'm very conservative with them, and like, and and that part worked out. But me getting scared out of the positions, that that's still, that's I'm not letting them ride just yet. Yeah, yeah. Are you still trying to sell everything out in one shot, though, or are you, are you sizing out as well? Well, no, because I'm sizing out. Remember, I told you that my, my last trade last night, I had two, and they're they're very conservative exits too, right? So mm -hmm. I had what I thought the top would be, and then I set two of them below that. And then I got scared out of it. So I set a stop and I was like, all right, let, if it hits the stop, it hits the stop. And I got stopped out. So that's all. That's what happened the whole week. I'll set like two or three exits, but I'll always get stopped out because I'm just scared. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, the fact that you still stuck to your stops, though, is good. Like if you started lowering, <laughs> if you started lowering your original stops and you still made money, that's teaching you some real bad lessons. Well, the, the change I made was before I used to put the stop like at a slight loss, right? And now I'm putting the stop like at um at where I'm still like, in a win now. So yeah, I, I, it takes it's it's taking time to adjust. I'm not used to that. So is this in stocks or is this in cryptocurrencies? This is uh, Bitcoin futures. It's Bitcoin futures. Okay, yeah, and they've just been whipsawing. There's absolutely no direction right now for Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, eight eight uh, eight last night eight billion. <laughs> positions got liquidated yeah. something like half a million traders got liquidated yeah that was great i woke up this morning i had like 70 messages in our group between you guys i was like what's going on i look and i just see a bunch of stuff about bitcoin i looked at the chart i was like holy hell <laughs> yeah well, Brandon, should we night, go into that yeah well Ooh. last night was crazy we had a very cryptic uh crypto related tweet from fx hedge on twitter which sent the market plummeting um as well there was the uh china uh, what was it? It was an uh, energy outage. Yeah, th there was a province where they had they had a power out, like a two day power out, and then uh, ba ba basically Bitcoin lost forty percent of the hash power. It was actually so. This is what's weird. It was actually like thirty percent from where the hash power is on average, but it looked like the hash power spiked up twenty percent and then dumped forty percent. So what I think something happened is a new miner went online, kicked up the hash power, burned out like uh, uh, burned out the power generator, and just went like went went silent. Hmm. So that, that tweet and that just kind of coincidentally happened at the same time. Well, the tweet, the the instant that the instant that I saw the tweet was about the time that Bitcoin dropped. Hmm. But then when we did did a more digging, like the power out happened like hours before that. 
So it's a little up in the air as to what caused it or maybe the combination of, but it wasn't good though. Well, the other thing that we have to keep in mind, guys, whether crypto bulls like this or not, regulation is coming. Uh, We had Gary Gensler, who was sworn into the SEC uh, just yesterday. And although he is bullish on the blockchain, he does have some plans to put some regulations in. Uh, Janet Yellen, uh, the new uh, chair of the U.S. Treasury, uh, she has been a very big uh, crypto hawk. Really can't deny that. So the tweet yesterday had to do with the U.S. Treasury. Um, On top of that, we have Jerome Powell, the chair of the Fed, who's been um, saying crypto is a speculative, it's a speculative bubble. And on top of that, we had Turkey banning crypto. And I'm hearing some rumblings about India trying to ban crypto. They have legislation that's going to be voted on this week. So it could just be the first of many dominoes to start falling. So I just want people to recognize that. Uh, because it really is an echo chamber of people saying Bitcoin's good, buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin, but nothing really goes up in a straight line. There's always corrections, and now's a better time than any for there to be a crypto bear market, and potentially even more than that. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot of things happening, but it's it's hard to navigate because India has been banning Bitcoin for four years now. They've been saying it for four years now, right? And Turkey banned it, but I mean they're like Nigeria, where where they tried to ban it and the searches for cryptocurrencies went up 30%. Nigeria banned it, and there, people are actually using cryptocurrency more than ever. In fact, Bitcoin trades at a 30% premium there. So it's like, you know, so, governments can say they can ban it, but you really, what they're really saying is they can ban themselves from it, right? Because Bitcoin will exist outside of them. You really can't ban cryptocurrency. I think the blockchain, that's the genie's out of the bottle there. Yeah. But I think that you can make it harder and harder to buy. You want to open up a bank account right now. What do you need? Driver's license, passport, documentation right now to open up a Bitcoin wallet. Anyone can, and they can be doing a legal um, activity with it. And I see governments putting in uh, KYC regulations, AML, anti-money laundering, because they want to know where the money's going and uh, how the money's being transferred. So just just to clarify, like if a, if a country bans Bitcoin, can those citizens still buy it? You just can't use it in that country? Or how does that work exactly? Well, it depends on the exact laws. Uh, I know that Turkey banned buying Bitcoin and banned the transaction, the buying and selling of goods and services using Bitcoin. And so not, you can't access any of those like Coinbase or Kraken or any of that kind of stuff. You can't even access that in that country? You shouldn't be able to, no. Okay. No, see, so, that, so that's the weird part, right? What what the regulators can do is they can ban the on ramps, right? So right now, if you want, if we want Bitcoin, we got to go on uh, an exchange, a Canadian exchange, wire our cash over, and then buy Bitcoin. What they can effectively do is ban that process. So Bitcoin will still exist in that country, but how you convert your cash to Bitcoin—that's what they're stopping. Right. So, but but see, that's the weird thing too. Like if you have a world where that that only transacts in Bitcoin, hypothetically speaking, then those on ramps are meaningless. Right. If me and you, Caitlin, if me and you decide to go into business together, right? If I say I need your you guys to do some renovations for my house, and I'll pay you in Bitcoin, and you say yes, then the on-ramp is kind of irrelevant. But wouldn't I still need that in order for you to pay me, though? Need what? Like, wouldn't I still, you know, like one of the like Kraken or something like that for you to actually pay me? Oh, because I'm sending Bitcoin from my wallet to your wallet. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Right. It's, it's direct, right? That's that's one of the benefits benefits of Bitcoin. Like I posted last night on my story, like so now I got to put the down payment down for my Tesla, right? 
and they need a bank bank wire. It cost me fifty bucks to do a bank wire, and I got to wait three three to five days. Mm-hmm. If, if if Tesla accepts what they do in the U.S., but if they accept Bitcoin here, I just send it. Takes an hour, and it, and it charge it takes me nine dollars in fees. Right. So, you know, but like I agree. Like there there's and the thing is, I'm not against regulation. Like I think guys like Sailor said it best. Like it's with regulation that you're going to get the institutions and the corporates to trust this thing and to put their money there. Right. Like a a lot of the old school, a lot of the old school Bitcoiners are like, this is freedom. You know, they're all libertarians. And it's like you have to kind of work within the system too. like, you know, give a little, take a little. Right. If they're going to let you have this thing, then you got to give up a little something. Mm. I absolutely agree with that. And I think that the crypto bulls were on the offensive for the last, let's say, eight months since we had that breakout. I want to say from like 10, 11,000. And now governments fall. Like this was the beginning of a big war between government and between crypto and between uh, the sort of free market and these libertarian sort of views on money and uh, traditional fiat currency. Uh, We just can't forget that a lot of these assets are highly speculative. And that speculative fervor that we've had over the last couple of weeks, I want to say, like we're going to be getting into Dogecoin later in the episode. Like when you have um, some asset going up 400% in a week, you got to think that that thing, just as fast as it came up, it's going to go down. And there's so many other ones. I really hate to single out Dogecoin because it really has had a long history. But there's other ones that are just like, poof, they just came out of nowhere. And you can imagine a lot of investors, they're going to lose their shirts on this, man. Even Dogecoin, though, like, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Kaylin. I said that's where you just get ready to sort it. <laughs> yeah, like even Dogecoin, like it started as a meme. It was an inside joke. It was like the cute little pet that the crypto community kept around. You know, it was, it was a fun thing. And then people are taking it seriously now as a, you know, I even I even unfollowed two two guys that I followed this past week. One is a, actually was, was a traditional trader. I don't know if you know Raul Paul, uh, Brennan. Yeah. But he was like, a, yeah. So I was following him because he was like a good bridge between crypto and traditional finance because he's from that world. And then last night he was Twittering. Uh, how now that there's all this money in Dogecoin, could it be possible that people will work on Dogecoin and then it'll become something useful? I'm like, fuck no. Like, how are you shilling this shit now? Like, it, 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 it's, it boggles my mind how, like, this type of greed is changing co- people's personalities, like, completely. So what, what do you guys well, think is actually happening, though? Like where, like, where do you think all that money's coming from? Because, like, oh, just it's stupid you- retail money. It's the dumbest money right. that you could ever think about. And let right. me just say, so- I do think that Dogecoin is probably the best currency out of any cryptocurrency that I've seen based on the massively inflationary supply structure. And just because I say that it's a currency does not make it a good investment. You have to think differently. Currencies and investments, completely different. Right. So we're, so we're saying the retail guys, you know, the stupid money say are all the ones that are buying this. But what I want to know is, do you guys, like, just as your opinions, do you guys think that it's people that are buying this as an actual investment? Or do you think the majority of people are people that are just trading it because that that can cause huge moves as well like you know again i think back to like amc gme like from the beginning of this year even bitcoin like you know in 2017 that was that wasn't a lot of investment money per se that was mostly just everybody saying oh everybody's in this yeah. thing let's get in quick stay in it for a week or two you know make my 500 percent, and then get the hell out of there right I, I don't know how many people are actually thinking that i'm gonna buy this and hold this for 20 years so I'm gonna let David take this, uh, and if there's anything left out, then I'll pipe in. Well, I think I think there's a good pro- proportion of people that are conflating investing with trading. They don't know what they're actually doing. They just know they think this thing's gonna go up, 
and they're going to get into it and they're going to hopefully hopefully get out before it goes down. I don't think they know that's a trade and and they're talking about it as an investment because I've heard people say like I'm not selling until it's a dollar. I'm like and it's like what 50 cents right now, right? Yeah. And I'm like what does that even mean you're not selling until it's a dollar? What would you know what I mean? Like as an investment, you have to look at the fundamentals a little bit and tell me what would bring it to a dollar. Right. Mm. I could tell you what, what what could potentially bring Bitcoin to half a trillion or sorry, like have, uh, five, 500, 500 billion or whatever it is. Right. Or 500 trillion. Sorry. What am I saying? Five trillion. Sorry. Because gold's 10. No, because gold's 10 trillion. So gold. So I, I remember somebody broke it down. Gold's right now is about 10 trillion. If you take out what, what is being held by the central banks and you take out what is being used as jewelry, you get about six, six trillion dollars. So there's an argument to, to, to say that if if Bitcoin matches gold in terms of its investment properties, it's about $6 trillion asset, right? Yeah. I can make an argument for that. I'd like to see somebody do that with Dogecoin. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, they're laughing. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I can't say it with a straight face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting because, like, I mean, you know, I just – I always look at Twitter, like – Twitter's such a great asset for, you know, news and just kind of get a good feel. Like stock twits is another really good one. Just get a feel of like, you know, what everybody's thinking in this thing. And like, I don't know, man, like every, everything I'm seeing, like half the guys are thinking that they want to buy in and hold like as an investment. And a lot of people are just jumping in and out of it. Right. Like even just people I'm hearing, you know, like I talk to my friends and stuff and they're texting me like, Oh, you see Doge? Like, man, I got to buy it. So how do I buy? I'm like, I'm like, you know, if you're thinking about like just buying this thing like that, you want to buy it and hold it. You're, you don't know what you're doing. Right. If you want to trade it, that's fine. Like, you want to buy dogecoin you can buy dogecoin if you want to trade it there's nothing wrong with that like if i saw a good setup i would buy it and go long and hold it for a couple of days if i saw a pattern i liked but i'm not gonna buy like i know what it is i'm just riding that wave and i'm getting the hell out of there so there's yeah. one fundamental reason why dogecoin is going up right now it's market psychology at its root it's because everybody's seen bitcoin go up so much over these years no one wants to miss out on the next bitcoin when they see the opportunity to buy something at four cents and it could go to 100,000, it could go to 200,000, it can go to 1 million per coin, no one's gonna pass up on that opportunity. And it's what we were touching on in last week. It's the greater fool theory. People don't realize it's highly speculative. They don't know that they can lose money doing so. It goes back to what you were saying last week, Kaylin. You have to focus on what you're willing to risk and what you're willing to gain. And right now, people are so overtaken by greed and these animal spirits that they're willing to throw money at anything because they saw their neighbor get rich, their uncle got rich, their their cousin, their coworker. Um, they don't want to miss out on the next Bitcoin. And that's a big problem because this is exactly what happened in every single bubble that's happened in history. This is not different from any other bubble. It's going to end badly. It always does. I can't tell you when, but at some point it will. Yeah, I think that's, that's something that a lot of people really don't fully understand. And, you know, in these newer retail traders is that stocks can go to zero. Like they can just bleed right down. I mean, something that's worth, you know, 50 cents right now. Oh, that sounds great. You know, you put 10 grand or something into it. You know, a few months from now, it could be point zero 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 one cents. Like they can, they can bleed right to zero just because it's cheap, and you can buy a whole ton of shares and it moves a lot. Doesn't mean that it's going to be a good investment. I mean, you'd lose all that just as easy as you put it in. I think the problem about crypto is that any idiot can buy any cryptocurrency in a bull market and make money. It's so easy. So people make money and they feel validated. They're like, "Oh, I'm smart. I made money in crypto," and they put more money in. And the bubble grows bigger and it goes bigger, but no one ever tells you when the bubble bursts and when the market, you know, the market starts to peak 
and people are in uh, denial about it. And they're like, oh, it's a good opportunity to buy because every single dip has been bought up. It's by the dip. And uh, that's when you get, you know, an infamous uh, bull trap and it just goes lower and lower and lower. I'm not going to call a top with crypto. I recognize markets can remain irrational for far longer than we can remain solvent. So I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to watch. I sold my Bitcoin a lot lower. As you guys know, I was more than satisfied on what I made. It's funny because, David, do you remember when we were buying crypto like last March? And I couldn't bring up crypto to anybody because they thought I was crazy for buying crypto. Man, how can you buy it at 3,500? It's never going to go back to 20,000. You're, you're crazy. And now I'm telling people, hey, maybe you should take some profit on your Bitcoin. And it's like blasphemous. It's like I'm telling them, you know, the craziest thing that they've ever heard. So the pendulum swings right now. It's just in full greed. And only time will tell uh, when this uh, speculative uh, fervor sort of dissipates. Well, I can I can add some personal experience and historical context to this, which is why I was telling you guys it was freaking me out uh, the other day, because at the height of the 2017, 2018 bubble, somebody messaged me on Facebook back then. And they're like, how do I buy some XRP? Can you explain to me how do I buy them XRP? And I was explaining him to the whole process. And he's just like, so I can't go to my bank. I'm like, like, these are the people that have almost like zero experience buying stocks and the whole, you know, exchange trading experience. And then they're trying to get into crypto. And like I said, somebody asked me the other day, how do I get by Doge? And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I feel like this is now we're in the same kind of territory where it's like overheated, where these randoms are trying to buy in now. And the cautionary tale is this. Like, I, I think I mentioned to you guys, like two weeks ago, I spent about a day going through my old laptop and my old wallets. And I found like $3,000 worth of shit coins that I bought the last, the last time around. It sounds like a lot, except those $3,000 was like $40,000 back then. I wrote that shit 90% down, 90% down. I still right. have those coins on my ledger too. I and know, they were and mostly I, airdrops. They were mostly airdrops. And, and I had a lot of trouble selling that stuff because it, they're so garbage that exchanges aren't even holding it anymore. So the ones, the exchanges that I bought it from can't even, uh, I, I can't even sell it there anymore. I had to go like to this decentralized, uh, this, this FI exchange called um, Uniswap. And it cost me 150 bucks to get rid of 650 bucks of shit coins. And so like, I just wanted, want that as a cautionary tale to people, right? And the only reason I'm up a lot right now is because I was smart. At a certain point, I consolidated all my shit coins, sold it, put it into Bitcoin, the only one with fundamentals, and I rode that thing back up. That's the only reason I'm out of it, right? It, just, it comes back to the same thing always, which is risk management, right? If you're buying a really solid, good company, you can ride those lows. You can ride, you can ride the bear markets because you know it's a good company. You're confident in the fundamentals. If you're, if you're buying something like this, you have to have a cutoff point. You have to say, okay, I'm putting X amount of dollars into this. I'm going to cut it if it gets to here. You like you you have to think of it that way because if you don't, like David, you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, you'll ride it right down to zero and you'll lose all of your money if you don't have a cutoff point. Yeah. And I wrote it to zero because I got in like the people that are getting in now. I had zero experience in this thing. I just kept thinking to myself, it'll come back up, it'll come back up. And you don't realize it going to 90% down. It just you're just riding it. You just keep right. thinking it'll come back up, it'll come back up. You know what's funny is even though we're saying this, I bet there's like a dozen people that are going to look at this and say, "Oh, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm still going to hold yeah. on to it." <laughs> the, the very the, the famous quote: "This time is different." Yeah, <laughs> never <laughs> different. The markets have been around forever. They haven't changed. <laughs> Same patterns that work now worked a hundred years ago. It's things don't change. People don't change. That's why the markets move in the same way. Yeah. Speaking of that, do we do we want to talk about Coinbase? Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. a great idea. Sam, can you pull up our screen? Let's get let's get that let's get this guy going. We were waiting for the Coinbase IPO, David, for years. 
Yeah, we were actually. And I was going to buy in too, except it's overpriced now. Um, it's like I was going to buy in around $25. I thought that was worth it. Um, but once they announced that it was going to be like 250, the valuations over almost a hundred billion. I'm like this, that's just ridiculous. And then it opened at 380. It went as high as 430. And then I think closed the day at like 320 and it's hovering around 320, 330 right now. Yeah. Something like that. But this is really interesting. If you want to run through this, David, this is key. So coin, Coinbase insider sell nearly 5 billion in Coinbase stock. So I actually have a breakdown of that. Uh, here we go. So one of the early VCs, Union Square, they they went, they exited 100%, 1.8 billion right there. Uh, a director, Frederick Wilson, he had 10%, sold 1.8 billion. He was he's he's 50% out. Like all these insiders, president, she, the president of Coinbase sold 63%. Like a lot of these people, like these are insiders and they're out. This is ridiculous. So what's your take on that? Well, so I can't blame the venture capital guys like Andreessen and Union Square. I mean, this is what this is what you do, right? You bet on one of these one in 10 projects. They do a, like 100x and you want to exit. Like that's what you help this company grow for the last five years for, right? But when, when you're the president of Coinbase and you have inside knowledge of their growth trajectory and their profitability and how much more they can possibly go and you sell this early, I think it's not a good sign for the company. You know, yeah, sure. Sell some of it. Sorry, no. Go ahead. go ahead. We can directly relate this to Charlie Lee selling all of his Litecoin at like three hundred <laughs> in 2017. Like Litecoin's not even that high anymore. Four years later. <sighs> yeah, I'm scarred by Litecoin. I, I was, I was a heavy like, Litecoin holder. <laughs> I think this is raising some red flags here, but I'm not going to blame any single guy here. Like they've been locked up for how many years? Like how old is Coinbase? Like seven, eight years old, maybe. Yeah, they're they're pretty old. Yeah. So they have their shot at liquidity right now. Like I'm not going to blame them as long as. I, yeah, no, but look, look the CFO is a hundred percent out. The president's fifty. But that's the the numbers, right? Like you don't need to you don't need to be a hundred percent out. Like that, okay. That's, so keep in mind, if this was done through the traditional IPO process. These guys would have been locked up, but this was a uh, direct listing. And these yeah. guys, I believe everything was just like free floating. So these guys can sell. And if they can sell it for some crazy valuation, um, you got to keep in mind, like Coinbase was worth more than um, companies like Goldman Sachs. It just didn't, didn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I agree. But uh, but I also don't mi don't mind that there's no lockup. I mean, in my mind, like if you think the company's worth it, then whether or not there's a lockup, you wouldn't have sold or maybe you wouldn't have sold as much anyway. Right. So I, I think it's debatable. What I do think, what I do think these guys did was, I think they might have demoralized the um, their their employees because Brad Armstrong gave apparently they gave each employee I think a thousand shares um, when when they IPO'd, and I think those employees are locked up. And so what they're watching mm -hmm. is they're watching their seniors, uh, their, their 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 bosses cash out, and then now they're watching the stock price dip. And then these shares you've given me for my years of service, it's like. Well, you know, it's kind of demoralizing, right? If you're working there. Well, if crypto opens where it is tomorrow, Coinbase is going to take a hit for sure. All of the crypto miners are, all of the crypto related companies. They may. I, it, I think it depends on how low Bitcoin and, the, and crypto goes. I mean, if it kind of goes sideways throughout the summer, all it means for these guys is more on fees. So that it could be a benefit. Well, I'm worried about fee compression for these guys because I'm not sure if you guys have ever used Coinbase, but any newbie that wants to invest in crypto, the first thing they do is they go on the app store, they buy Coinbase or they um, put their credit card on it. 
and they just start buying and they don't realize like the fees to buy crypto on Coinbase is what, like two, 3%. So it's pretty high. And then there's a hidden spread in that too. So you're not getting the best price. They're not filling you at like 55, six, they're filling you at like 56, three. So mm -hmm. you're not getting the best price. They make that spread too. And, uh, there's going to be more competitors coming in the space. Like it was a JP Morgan that announced that you can buy Bitcoin through galaxy funds or whatever. Like there's going to be other avenues to buy soon. You'll be able to buy the Vanek um, Bitcoin ETF whenever that comes. So Coinbase has competition and competition is coming and they want a piece of the pie. It's actually already here because um, Square Square Wallet and uh, PayPal have have let users buy Bitcoin since then. And actually, actually, Square actually just announced record earnings last quarter because of the the Bitcoin purchases. And I think PayPal as well. Like it was a huge money, uh, money uh, profit center for them. So you're right. There is a Coinbase premium. It's very well known. And I, I don't know why it's there, how it stands, but it's it's there, there for real, the convenience. Yeah. Oh, you think so, eh? And I know that Brian Armstrong is uh, welcoming new regulations too. Like he wants it, as you said, to be a part of the framework. So of yeah. course, I do think that Coinbase is here to stay. And whether it's Bitcoin or any other coins years down the road that people are going to be buying, Coinbase will be a beneficiary of that. But do I think it's worth 100, 200 billion valuation like right now or in the next few months? I don't think so. No. And so, so the thing is, they may have like a record earning season, which they're on track to do, but... I want to see what they can earn during a bear market, like a, like a crypto winter, right? Well, I think the crypto miners are the canary in the coal mine right now, because in the gold space, um, there's a theory that's just proven the test of time, is that when the miners lead, the bullion price is going to go up. But when the miners lag, the bullion price is going to go down. I'm not sure if you guys have seen any of the crypto miners, but they've been lagging big time. They took big hits last week. So if that's any indication, that could be signaling maybe uh, some sort of further correction in the Bitcoin price in a cryptocurrency. What do you guys think about that? I know the the one that I looked at, I think it's Marathon. Those guys are weird though. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I agree or disagree with their strategy, but so they're mining Bitcoin, but they're taking all their excess revenue and their VC money, instead of selling the Bitcoin to pay back investors or cover costs, they're buying Bitcoin with it. So they're like doubling down. We're not only mining Bitcoin, but we're spending every extra dollar we have to buy Bitcoin. And so they could be in complete ruin if this is the, the top, you know. On the other hand, if this is not the top and they sell, I don't know, north of 60,000, they could be they could be they could end the year quite strong. So. It's, so it's a I don't like that because they're not like investing in their business. They're investing in an asset that can go up or down. We know uh, Bitcoin's very speculative. It's volatile. It has wild swings. So I would rather them take their money to maybe diversify into other businesses and improve their current business than just trying to speculate because then they're just at the whims of the market. Yeah, I don't know too much if they're, I didn't read their financial earnings. I don't know if they're mining and selling a little bit to cover costs or they're just, just hoarding Bitcoin completely, but... I also would be curious to look at their debt structure too, because if there is some sort of Bitcoin winter, that yeah. may be really bad for them. Yeah, like how would they survive that? That's true. Um, but yeah, let's. Do you want to look at the charts real quick? Um, actually, before we end on that, I want to pull up. You Sam, go can you pull the screen. I'm pull up the bet. I don't know if you read this, but like, when was this? March 21st, like uh, almost a month ago. I made a bet with uh, Willie Wu, who's like um, 
a really well-known on-chain analyst. He's on a ton of podcasts. I, I'm even a, a subscriber to his uh, newsletter because his, his data is very, very good. But he made this remark earlier that he said that Bitcoin won't trade below um, a trillion dollars again. I was like, that's impossible. And then so we started a conversation. And then so we ended up making a bet, half a Bitcoin each. And, and the, the stats are that he's betting that Bitcoin will not drop below 44,600 and close below that on a daily before the end of the year. And I took that bet. And, um, and so what's his name? Fluffy Pony. The creator of uh, Monero, Fluffy Pony, is the one that's um, holding our coins in escrow wow. right now. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, Fluff Ricardo. So he's the, because we wanted to put the money in escrow. So, you know, just to make it fair, right? So that we wanted somebody that was um, well, well known in, um, in the industry. So then, so then, so this is our wallet. We can check on it every day. Our Bitcoin is just sitting there. And then, uh, so the bet's happening. Anyway, I took a lot of shit when I made that bet. Everyone was like, you're fucking nuts. Like Bitcoin was like 51, 52,000. It just bounced up. And everyone was like, we'll never see 40,000 again. We'll never see 50,000 again. And I'm like, I'm like, we have eight months left in the year. And this is crypto. Like Bitcoin just fell ten percent in an hour last night. Are you are you seriously telling me this can't happen? I have right? no doubt in my mind that you're going to win the bet, and I would, or I would say it's going to go to thirty or twenty thousand. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. These Bitcoin drawdowns. What do we see every like third year? We see Bitcoin and the whole crypto space go down like eighty percent, ninety percent, and Bitcoin goes down of that what like sixty to seventy five. Eighty last time I think. Went from twenty to three thousand. Thirty five hundred, depending on the exchange. Thirty five hundred. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let me just show you the Bitcoin chart real quick. Here, here, here it is in the weekly. Pop it up Ooh. on a daily because it's just daily, it's just yeah. so much more important because we broke some All of the right. most important resistance today. We're currently trading under the fifty day, and uh, I see some bullish engulfing, uh, bearish engulfing candles. Rather, um, that is massive volume on a one day swing. And this is the first time that we crossed the 50 day through the downside since the breakout at what 10,000 in October. So this is super bearish. I do not yeah. like this chart. It, we're, it looks like we're on track to close below the 50 and we haven't done that since October, October of last year. And okay. The last time we did that was September of last year and we, we went below it for like a month almost. So, but, but that was before we were in a crypto bull market. Like we didn't hit new highs yet. Uh, that's right. We were like at 12,000. Yeah, that's right. So since we broke out, we've never even never even well, we touched it. And we didn't break out. We didn't break down with big volume. This time we're breaking down with big volume. And Bitcoin's been like, it's been toppy lately, man. It's been trying to form this top for a while. And it was just waiting for some kind of news. It was waiting for a catalyst. Well, and I would argue drop. that. I think I'm telling you guys, I would argue that the money that could have gone into Bitcoin or would have gone into Bitcoin last cycle, went into altcoins, went into Dogecoins this cycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? so so, so I mean, Bitcoin's volatility like slowly decrease over time, though, as more Bitcoins mined? It has decreased, actually. Yeah. Um, this, this, this year has not been as... So the last cycle, when you get a pullback, it was between anywhere between 35 and 50%. This year is, was, is about 20 to 35. So it's, it's yeah. definitely got, got tame. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, are we really going to expect like another 80% pullback or like, or is that going to be kind of cut in half at this point? Like, I don't know if we're going to see those drastic swings, especially now when you got all this institutional, money, like a lot of big time buyers in this thing. I mean, th those aren't the kind of guys that'll panic out or something. 
The other thing is Bitcoin has spread to so many different people. It's just more hands in the game. And the more hands there are, the less volatile I can imagine it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I mean, you know, we had a big snap last night, obviously, with that news. But I, I don't know if we'll see the kind of like the kind of stuff we did in 2017. I can't see those kind of moves happening again, to be honest. I, gonna, I think this, once this is a perfect market, spot. I think once this bear market's in full swing, we're going to see some crazy moves. We're going to see people open up their block folios or whatever they're using, and they're going to be like, oh, shit, everything's down 50%. Mm. See, look at Bitcoin last night. Almost filled this gap perfectly on the VPVR. It was 53,000, mm. right? Yeah. And the next one that's just screaming by me <laughs> is at 42,000. Yeah. yeah that's so That's right above your bet. Right that's above. A, that's what... That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I've been looking at this thing when I made the bet. I'm like, come on. Dude, yeah. if, if we go that low, you're crossing the 100, and that's just another level, another level of support that we're going to break down. The lowest. Well, well we have a I lot can... of support here. Look at that. But yeah, I mean, we have, we, have, we have decent support here, but this might break. But this is a monster. Of a... But dude, how much support did we have last time around with Bitcoin? They're like, oh, support's here. No, it's here. No, it's here. And it just kept on going lower and lower and lower. And it just like, it dragged on, man. And just, we thought we had support, bull trap, go down, test, make a lower high test, break down again. We saw that so many times, man. And that's just ingrained in my head forever. We saw so many cycles, man. So know, many cycles. The, the context, We're veterans. Excuse me. The context this time was a little different because that one, Bitcoin went from 5,000 to 20,000 in about 30 days. So that was, the, that was a classic blow off top, right? We kind of just meandered our way up to 60,000 from like 42,000 over the no, course of I don't, three months. I don't, so. I don't think so. Cause we went from like, I want to say like 14, 15,000 in what was it like November? And then by January, February, we were at like, what does that even say? I haven't followed Bitcoin in a while, like mid February. No, I know. But if you go on like the yearly, if you look at like the, the just the, uh, uh, the percentage growth, right? The last cycle we did, a fifteen hundred percent. This time from from the break, we did three hundred. So like, it's not it's significantly less. Is that a fifty less. month? This is a uh, monthly. Monthly, okay, yeah, but that 50, moving yeah. average fifty month, yeah, yeah, fifty month, yeah. We are going back to that fifty month. Mark my yeah. words, it's gonna happen so, at some point. So yeah, I mean, guys, I hate coming on this podcast and being the bear because I am the bull of Bay Street and I am super, super bullish, and it just feels awful, man. Really, the three perspectives. I'm I'm pretty much neutral. Like I have not said one thing bullish this whole podcast yet. I hope you guys realize that. It's good, man. I, I feel like I could talk to you now. <laughs> I, I thought I was the pessimist. What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, we got we got we got the the we got the bull and, and then we got the bear and then I'm just kind of neutral. I just trade this thing like a stock. All right, from a from a neutral perspective, you're just looking at this thing. What are you thinking? What would, like you don't know what this is. You're just looking at this chart. What are you thinking? From a neutral perspective, I like that line at the 42 for a bounce. But if that broke, I would be going where are you down there? Thirty thousand, twenty nine thousand, the bottom of that. This one, twenty five. We got uh, we got uh, we got a thirty. We got a thirty here. Yeah. Cause like that, that volume profile on the right hand side, like that is a huge volume profile. So I would expect it to kind of, you know, somewhere in that range would be where I'd like to see a bottom. If it doesn't, like if it blows right through to the bottom of that volume profile, I'd be, I'd be a little nervous. Cause that means a lot of people are underwater. Yeah. This area is like key because 
Yeah, that was the uh, the highest volume of trades this year or in the past three, four years for Bitcoin. And so like a lot of money exchanged hands here. It's, it's good defense. Yeah, that's um, that's like, that is the key area of interest right there. If we go below that, then that would be that'd be a little nerve wracking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, I think best case scenario, I mean, we just need to go sideways for a while because like like Brendan was saying, I mean, these moves, they're just really drastic moves like we have. You know, when you look at the daily here, like, yeah, we have support, but it's really only like over maybe a month or two months kind of thing that we're looking at the support. Like if, if Bitcoin can actually trade like sideways between, you know, 55, 60,000 and like 42,000, if it can just go sideways for, you know, most of the summer, like and then start to chug up again, that would be really, really good because then we have a huge area of support. Like, I think, so, it just, I, think I, think I just need to chime in and be super bearish again. If we do actually have to, you know, top again. I don't know, man. I could see that being the head of the head and shoulders. The last like three peaks in like February, March and early April being the left shoulder. And then us having a couple of like lower highs and lower lows type thing, forming a right shoulder and it just being a massive complex head and shoulder. And then that breaking back down to the 50 month, like this could be a multi-month topping pattern and we can see all of the alts going down and Bitcoin just staying stagnant because if people are selling the altcoins, they're selling it into Bitcoin. So they're essentially buying Bitcoin. So I could see no, Bitcoin not true. holding its there's, value. There's, 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 there's stable coin trading pairs now. That's yeah, there are stable here. coins. There are stable coins, but most people sell them into Bitcoin until they like figure out what to do with it next. At least like that's like the most liquid pair. It is, mm -hmm. isn't it? Am I wrong? uh usdtd is about 30 billion on its own right now and usdc is about so that's 40 billion market cap between the two of them it's pretty liquid now um like you would, what though? yeah you would be correct if people it, i think it depends on the altcoins you're selling now if you're selling shit coins anything out of the top 25 you, you got you might have liquidity problems without going to the bitcoin but anything above the top 25 you're going into tether and usdc without any issues so it's a little it's true and it's also it's caveat. There's a caveat to it though. Dude, I, I've spoken to so many people and I'm like, hey, don't forget to sell. Take your profits. Like you never get broke taking a profit. Kayla and I were talking about that the other day, and it's it's one of my favorite quotes. Mm -hmm. But people are like, Oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna sell it, I'm gonna buy some USDT, and when the dust settles, I'm gonna get back in. But often when the dust settles is when you get a bull trap. And you kind of make a lower high and it looks like you're going to go higher, but the RSI is not confirming, but these guys don't watch charts, so they don't know. And then they end up going into the most speculative altcoin because they're like, yo, I can buy Cardano or I can buy Dogecoin at this price. And then it just poof, just goes down and they're left holding the bag. But anyways, do you guys want to switch gears? Because I really just want yeah. to brighten my mood here and talk about maybe some stocks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, firstly, I, I, I'd like to just give a, a market recap first. Yeah, go ahead. Well, the markets are still on fire, guys. Um, all major market indices hit all-time highs last week. It was the NASDAQ 100 that led the way. It was up 1.5%. The S&P, the TSX, and the Dow were all up in the range of 1%. So we definitely have a bullish backdrop, and the rallying is continuing. Um, a lot of highlights this week. We had really solid um, economic data, the jobless claims and the retail sales. We had like 9.8% uh, gain for retail sales versus um, I think it was a 6% estimate. So the consumer is super strong. Earnings kicked off. We had JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs both report really, really good quarters. It was kind of a uh, buy the rumor, sell the news event because people are still rotating from value into growth. And my favorite thing that happened last week was bond yields just fell off a cliff. They're continuing their dive in April. 
and U.S. Treasuries are starting to rally. Uh, that's great because it's really good for those non-cyclical sectors that we like, like technology. Oh, yeah. Just look. I, I didn't look. So and me and you the called screen. the bottom on that. Me and you called the bottom on that completely. This is the 30-year. I drew this when we were talking about it weeks ago, and it's just it, it broke down. It's breaking down right now, like we were saying. This is the 30-year. And there it is. There's the 20-year. It's doing the same thing. Freaking 10-year. They're all doing it. They're all breaking down. Man, it I really pays to, to be a contrarian. Though. It really pays to be a contrarian. You always got to do the opposite of the market. You have to know when to trend follow and when to say, hey, this is getting a little long in the tooth. Let's maybe de-risk and maybe make some bets and kind of go the other way, at least when it comes to treasuries and bond yields. We're in a, just a long-term trend of low interest rates. And if you can look at that on a monthly chart, which one? It would be the 30 US 30-year year. 30 year? Yeah. 30 year monthly. Yield. There we go. Maybe Ooh. is that in log or no? Yeah, this is log. I do look at everything. Just take log. It, do you want to just take it at a log? Yeah. There we go. And just go to the super, super long term here. Like go like 30 years back, literally. All right. Here we go. And kind of just skew that. We back exactly. to 88. Yeah, man, we've been in a declining yield environment since like the 80s. It's like a structural component of the economy that we live in right now, you know, from uh, population growth to technology. Uh, we just live in a very um, disinflationary environment. And this thing, when it hit its what? I don't have the chart in front of me, but it was like 50 to the, it was a 50 week or 50 month. Every single time it hits that 50 month, it's been just a counter trend rally. And it's been a great time to just sell that. Yeah, I'm just trying to find the, um, I'm just trying to add the, uh, compare it to the M2 money supply just to see how they compare. There you go. Because I think that would be really interesting to look at. Complete inverse relationship. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Yeah. There it is. Something happened right here in January. Oh, wait, look, financial crisis. Oh, yeah. no way. How, perf how perfect is that, right? And then there's COVID right there, that little gigantic boost. So like, soon, look, as soon as COVID, so stimulus went up, Freaking bonds just boom, dipped. There's a chart that I wish that we could pop up, but maybe we'll do it another time because it is something I want to dive deeper into. If you superimpose the uh, M2 money supply with the velocity yep. of money, they're inverse, man. Yeah. They're completely inverse. It's crazy. That makes sense. That makes sense, man. That's why everyone's worried about money printing. If you want to pop up, though, the NASDAQ, uh, ITSIC, IXIC, and pop that up on a daily time frame. Daily. Perfect. Daily, and then just pop it up on like auto so we can just get the... Yeah, so we drew that line on the first time I was on the podcast two weeks ago. And <laughs> we were saying that we broke the 50-day, super bullish. We broke it on really good volume. And we had that gap up. That was a breakaway gap. So... We tried testing 14,000 on the NASDAQ last week. I predicted we wouldn't get it on the first try. We had a big sell-off on Thursday. Everyone's like, yo, we're going to go back to the 50-day. But we tested it again on Friday. Uh, looks like we may actually have a shot here. Can you pop up the RSI? Or that's on the top frame, right? Yeah, that's right here. Yeah, yeah. Right here. Yeah, so all we have to do, we have to start getting some continued price action and just make a higher high in the RSI, which looks like that's going to be super doable if we have like a 100-point day. And if you look at that, that's an inverted head and shoulders right there. 
And if you look at a lot of charts, you'll see inverted head and shoulders on them. Like pop-up Chipotle, which is one company that has earnings this week. CMG. CMG. Chipotle. So this is a company I'm super bullish on. Check out that inverse head and shoulders right there. Do you see it? You want to just go over left shoulder, head, right shoulder? Yeah, yeah. But but the neckline is really a little bit higher, I would say, on my charts. I'd say it's already topped out at that breakout. It's about made gone to where it's expected. Um, so this one has earnings on Wednesday. If they can have a good quarter, which I think that they will, uh, mm. this stock is going to be off and running. That is some high estimates. They have some high expectations for them, eh? Yeah, analysts. Yeah, and they've been they've they've been firing at all cylinders, man. And if you can just pop up Netflix, another company that has earnings on Tuesday. Yeah, let me go to goodies yeah. here. Netflix. Yeah. Perfect. So. This company, it's your quintessential stay-at-home economy name. Uh, all eyes are going to be on subscribers for this. Um, the estimate is 6 million subscribers gained. I think the street's expecting a little more than that. But if we can exceed expectations on that, Netflix is just going to soar, man. If you can just zoom out. Wow. It's they like, really a, dude, it's, it's a nine-month or 10-month consolidation pattern. I always say large consolidations lead to large breakouts. This is a company I'm very bullish on. So keep your eyes out on Tuesday, big earnings from Netflix. Wow, that's like, what is this? July. So it's like yeah, almost 10 months. Year it's been yeah. consolidating. And look, I, I drew this a long time ago. It was like a huge consolidation for like years and it just finally years. broke out. And we're doing the same thing. Another name for you is Lam Research, which is a semiconductor manufacturing company. L, uh, what's the ticker? Perfect peak. See, see, Kaylin, this is why I love my triangles. Man. LRXE. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what was that? So it's LAM Research, LRXE. XE, yeah. LRXE. LAM. LAM. It's a name I don't follow too much, but it's the first. LAM Research? LAM Research, yes, sir. So they're the first uh, company in the semiconductors complex to be reporting. Uh, they typically have a very good track record. They beat almost every single time on the top and bottom line. Uh, this company is going to give us a really good read into what's happening with the semiconductor shortage, and they're really going to benefit off of that. So if you can pop that on a daily, uh, that's yeah, a, a long history. They have a long history. They're a great company, and I think that they're going to really be driving socks this week. All right, so this is it on the daily. So we're just forming a little bull flag, a little pennant, and we're going to get the next uh, kind of flag pull up there. Interesting. Yeah. It's a good time to be a semiconductor bull. There's a big breakout brooming right here. Yeah, the RSI is still neutral, so it's not overheated, surprisingly. Uh, what's, what's earnings expectation? $6 a share. Wow. There is some high expectations for this thing. Hey, what's the dividend? And they're probably going to get it. A buck thirty. What's what's this thing yield? Oh, 0.8%. percent. Uh, it's gonna say maybe maybe should put some. If you're looking for a dividend play, if you're looking for a dividend play, we have one of my favorite consumer staples companies reporting on Monday. Pop up Coca Cola KO. <laughs> what's fucked up? Every time I think about Coca Cola, I think Warren Buffett. Like I don't even yeah, think Coca Cola. Yeah. <laughs> So I think it would be helpful to look at this one on a weekly or a monthly chart because this is like a dividend stalwart. Like you want to have this one in your portfolio and really let the money compound. So just pop it on a weekly or monthly. All right, see you weekly. 
So this is like a 3.8% dividend, I believe. And this company, if you can really zoom out on this one, uh, it looks like a cup and handle, a big cup and handle. Just keep on, just keep on going out. Well, here's the month, uh, the yearly, the year, yearly candles. Yeah. So do you see how it had that um, uh, really big cup and then it kind of retested uh, during COVID? Yeah. yeah. It's got something there. So that's yeah. one that I would watch. PepsiCo reported last week. PepsiCo had an outstanding quarter. And if Coca-Cola pops in their footsteps, I think Coca-Cola could be hitting some new highs. Keep in mind, yeah. with bond yields going down, um, you have no reason not to be in the non-cyclical sectors. And this is like the ultimate non-cyclical uh, stock, like stability stock and income stock. So Coca-Cola, uh, definitely a buy for me. I just want to point out, this is like the third chart we've seen right now. Now, I, all I'm doing is drawing traditional chart patterns with the standard expectation of where the breakout prices would be. And every time it's knocked it out of the park, like people poo poo technical analysis. I'm like, you shouldn't be in the camp of either fundamental or technical. Why don't you learn both? Get a full perspective. Like it's so helpful. Well, it depends on what you mean by learning TA because most people watch a few videos <laughs> or they take a $20 course and they think that they know TA, man. Like I'm a CMT. Like I went through a three year rigorous certification. Like I do this professionally. Yeah. So when people tell me that uh, they took a course and now they're like, you know, like a market wizard, it just, it just blows my mind. They're like, bro, the TA says that Dogecoin is going to like a buck by April 20th. I, I just don't know what to say to that. Well, I like to match TA with fundamentals, right? Like when you it, match it, them together, it's perfect. It's brilliant. It's, perfect. it's brilliant. Yeah. And they work in all different time frames too. Like we're showing here on the 12th oh, yeah. day on the one week, like all the same patterns work. And the thing is, it's more powerful in the larger time frames. If you see this on the 12 month, you know, that's a solid move. Yeah, 100%. So you guys have a pretty good, uh, if we could just get that to get to this in one second, there's one that I just yeah. really want an opinion from you guys because I really want to touch more on the uh, camping world. But if you can pop up United Airlines, they have earnings on Monday. This is a stock that I'm bearish on. It's an epicenter stock. Um, and a lot of people are kind of pushing this uh, boom in travel. But I'm going to throw some cold water on this because until I see some proper revenue guidance for this company, I'm not buying the airlines. I'm not buying the epicenter stocks. And of course, we see it like hitting a moving average right here on kind of somewhat low volume. What do you guys think? It looks like it sold off as soon as it got to this gap here. So and it's got to fight like 60, 60 to $71 is a tough area for it to fight through. I mean, that's a that's a tough area. Yeah. I'm I'm with you, Brandon though. Like I like charts aside, I mean any kind of travel stock, I'm I'm not interested in at all right now. Until all this stuff settles down completely, it just it just seems like too much of a gamble for me. So while people may not be going on an airplane, David, what may people be doing instead? <laughs> camping. Going camping. to great outdoors. I'm pumped for camping this summer. I just yeah. want to say, like, I, I heard this past week that the uh, the airlines were ignoring the CDC now. Uh, because they're calling bullshit on the CDC. Because like one day you're saying something, one, next day you're saying something. So the CDC recommendation for the airlines was have uh, a space between two, two two people, right? Two passengers, and the airlines like, yo, go fuck yourself. We're gonna pack it the way we want to pack it. Like the America's completely lost faith in their government. Yeah. Oh man. But like, but look at think about it, Caitlin. We're like guys, we're 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 kind of akin to that area here now too. 
right? Yeah. Rob Ford just instilled the uh, that they just they just gave new powers to our police force. Our police force, nah, we're, we're cool. We don't want it. They all said they weren't going to do it. That's good though. Like, <laughs> it all comes down to the federal government though, man. Even in that announcement, like he's just saying, it just comes down to the vaccines, right? There's not much we can do at a local level until we get the vaccines. So, but yo, let's pop up Camping World. I I really don't want to miss out on that there you one. Go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I have never seen a cop and handle more beautiful in my life. <laughs> is that <laughs> that's textbook? That perfect that's textbook. Like th- this is what we're talking about when the technicals match the fundamentals, right? If you think about what's happening right now, especially in America, if we got international travel kind of deadlocked, and I don't think people are comfortable going on cruises, like we talked about last week. Where wow. else do you go? Because everybody wants to get out of the house. And and America is known for their great outdoors. Their Midwest is beautiful, right? For sure. And so, and now you see this beautiful, like, what is this? This is a three year cup and handle that's forming, like yeah. full cup, full candle. Yeah. Right? No overhead resistance. Like, yeah. And I even yeah, did this the is Fib a extension. Blue sky breakout. And I think where did it top in 2017? Like 43 bucks. If it can close above 43, this thing's probably going to 100. Its highest close was uh, 46.36. Okay. Yeah. The only and, and thing that I'm watching out for is breakout on volume with your RSI. I want the RSI to make a new high. I want us to close there. I want us to close above that level or close enough to it and volume. If you can get those three things, this thing is going a lot higher. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to $100. Yeah. What's their earnings expectations? About $0.63. Cents? Oh, they're, they're dividends talk to. Uh, it's May 3rd. And that's probably why this month is stalled. So if... I wish those things weren't there, but this month's volume is pretty low compared to last month. And it's probably because earnings is next month. So everyone's mm-hmm. kind of waiting on the announcement. But I mean, look how, st- how, how typical this thing is, right? I used the FIB extension from the low to the high to the low. And the 1.27 mark is exactly where, if you were to take the, 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 bot, the base of the cup to the top of the cup to the breakout, it's so, you know, it's so, it's just screaming like all you need is the fundamentals to match. And this is like a great. What is what what is what, what kind of return we can get on this? This is a seventy percent swing trade. Yeah, seventy percent swing trade. Look at that, beautiful. Do you guys know what the best two performing sectors are for the month of April so far? No. Information technology and consumer discretionary. This is your quintessential consumer discretionary stock. And I think that continues in this low interest rate environment where people can borrow money and buy things like RVs and go camping and you have all these lockdowns and regulations. This stock is set up so nicely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could still fail a play, but right now it's like, this is like, I, I couldn't find a better swing. Yeah. Candidate, well, you, you know, that breakout, right? That confirmed breakout and then get in. The only other scenario that I can see just to play devil's advocate here is if we have to like test that neckline like once or twice, like form an ascending triangle, like it would still be a cup and handle, but maybe we have to go down back to like, like where is it now? It's really, really small, like maybe 38 or something or 39. We kind of just like go back there and just kind of test a few times over a few days. And then maybe we pop on earnings or maybe there's some sort of um, surprise on guidance or some really good analyst report um maybe a target increase like this thing's pretty thin it's not a large gap so this thing can go up on a dime yeah actually so if i'm just looking at it on the uh the weekly now and 
and it looks like it's like it's doing uh, like uh, higher lows, which is great. And the volume has increased for three weeks in a row, and so it looks like it's primed for a breakout. Like so, the so the weekly actually looks better than the monthly. So if we're just digging into details a little bit. Yeah, so that's exactly what I was saying. So it pretty much did what I was saying. We just had to go in a smaller time frame. I like when you cling to a resistance line on low volume. It just kind of shows me that people are really comfortable being at that level versus like the last time, whether that was in, I can't see if that was last year, but like it really wasn't comfortable at that $40 level. It just got slammed right after, had to work its way up. Now, like buyers want to buy at that level and sellers don't want to sell at that level. And that's going to make this thing go higher. So when you look at the psychology, when it clings to a resistance line, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And look at these, uh, these long wicks. Like this was the election fears. Went down, got bought back up. This was the March 31st. The, uh, the, the bond tantrum got sold off, got back up. Like there's demand. Like there's, I think there's people watching this thing right now. And they're waiting to buy the dip. It's beautiful. All right. I wish I was in this more, actually, but. <laughs> well, I think the better plan of action instead of buying before the breakout is buy the breakout. Yeah. Buy the mm. breakout. And then if it continues to break out, like if it goes to like 50 bucks, then what you do is you wait for the retest because there's always a retest at some point. And it probably like forms some wicks around that like $44 level. So you will have a second chance. And that's when you like scale in more because you got the confirmation, you know, the breakout already happened. It's not really a probability game anymore. You'll, you'll rarely top right after you have like a nice breakout like that out of a cup and handle on nice volume. So just keep on scaling in, man. Yeah, yeah that's a good call. There's a lot of breakout traders. Yeah. Do you guys want to look at uh, sector analysis before we finish up? I sent you um, a screenshot. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's see. This one. Here we go. Okay. So this is really just going to tell you guys like how we've been doing in the month of April. So our top performing sectors in the month of April, consumer discretionary, information technology, utilities, materials, real estate, consumer discretionary or consumer staples rather, and healthcare. And then the laggards, I mean, the relative laggards, because it's been a really solid month, has been industrials, financials, communication services, and energy has been a, a real loser, actually. Dog. Dog. Uh, what's been driving these sectors? Like, if we break it down and we look at subsectors, in consumer discretionary, it's been companies like internet retailers, like Amazon and Alibaba. They've done very well. Uh, Tesla has been driving on the automobile side. And companies like Camping World, like I already mentioned, it's kind of a quintessential consumer play. On the infotech side, it's been the software companies. So companies like Oracle and Microsoft um, and then other non-cyclical sectors. Like I think the whole story of the month has been going from cyclical to non-cyclicals. So utilities, real estate, consumer staples, and healthcare. Those are like the three most uh, non-cyclical sectors along with tech. And then the laggards have been the industrials, financials, and energy largely. And those are like your cyclical names. So this pendulum has completely swung. It's going to continue in April. And uh, companies like JP Morgan and um, Charles Schwab and uh, Bank of Ooh. America. Yeah, the, like these companies had really solid earnings. 
and they really gave some really good guidance, but they've rallied so much into the year and there's just not enough new buyers. Like it's going to be hard to give these companies like extra steam to keep rallying. So it was like, sell the news. And that's something to watch out for this earnings. You want to watch out for the uh, expectations and not just the estimates, but really what are people, what are people expecting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. David, David and I have talked about that before too, is earnings are kind of always this weird, you know, shot in the dark because it just depends on what the public thinks about it. You could beat earnings and it could sell off, right? It just depends on public sentiment. It's all sentiment. And it's, it's no secret that the market is sector driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's sectors that drive the market every single time. So right now it's non-cyclical sectors. The other two things that I want to throw in there, because we saw materials and like, it seems a little bit head scratching, but gold's been a big part of that. So we were talking about gold two weeks ago. And one of our predictions was that it was going to take a little while and that it would rally and gold's done phenomenal over the past couple of days. These miners are up like 15, 20%. The gold price is up just a couple percent. But like I said, the miners, they lead the bullion price. Yeah, gold's up 4% for the month, and we're only about halfway through the month. And that's a, that's a bullish engulfing there. The only thing is, I don't think we have enough time in the daily cycle to make a new high. So I'm not ready yet to pile into the gold names. I'm not. Uh, I'm not bullish on gold, but I am on silver. Oh, I'm silver. A I'm, a silver geek. On silver. I'm a big silver geek. I mean, if you look at... Oh, that's a... At here. <laughs> we call this episode cup and handles and <laughs> the great cup and handle episode like look yeah, at it it, great it, it did one handle. i love that it did one before broke out cashed out now we're forming another one like it's just it's typical but no i was looking at silver like like i was looking at gold and silver just the other day and i was like people are saying gold's not volatile I'm like you tell me that's not volatile are you kidding me right these are look at this with, these are one year. So in one year, it's moved 23%. You tell me Bitcoin's volatile. Yeah, Bitcoin's volatile, but compared to gold. It's- I don't think it's volatile at all, actually. I just think it's the, um, the sum of all of the investor psychology in, in gold that make it volatile. Like people, they're just chasing things. It's FOMO. We live in like a very internet uh, sort of Reddit-driven culture. So I think that in this day and age, like people chase things. Like Wall Street bets, man, they're trying to uh, get Dogecoin to hit a dollar in the next two days. And oh, they tried okay. squeezing the silver market also. Like, it's like you see weird things happen um, because of tech and because of the point in the cycle that we are right now. And I think tech is starting a new cycle. Um, but other sectors, like maybe financial energy and crypto, they're at the end of a cycle right now. Oh, I don't disagree. I'm just like saying like the media paints this picture that gold's like this sturdy rock that never changes. And I'm like, look at the fucking chart. Like, don't give me that bullshit. Well, dude, how much percent did it go up from the bottom in 08? Like right when it started uh, the great financial crisis, it took a big hit up until 2011. It went up how many times? Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Where's 08? 08 is here. Get rid of these guys. 83%. 83%. 83%. 83%. No, this chart's not accurate. For whatever reason, it's just not. Because gold bottomed, I think, even in 09. And it rallied like it rallied like 600% or something. Try, try popping up XAU. Because you may be looking at Rand Gold or something else that has the ticker gold. Let's see. 
Oh, here we go. Oh, shit. This is even more volatile. Look at this. Oh, hey, oh look at that wick. Yeah, you're right. 240%. One year. That is a one-year swing in 2000, January 2008 to December 2009. 240% swing. Look at that. I do think once we get a breakout on gold, it's going to be explosive. But I'd rather be in the silvers complex. If you can pop up XAG again. You can have those saved. No? Okay. And then just, yeah, you, you definitely should add those. Like, I, I got these on my charts all the time. And even though I'm not necessarily invested in gold and silver right now, there's going to be an opportunity to play these breakouts. What happened there? <laughs> June. That was 09. What what the hell is that? Yeah, so I, I I don't know what charts you're popping up, man. XAG USD. Isn't this? This is XAG. Yeah. XAG USD. Oh, USD. Silver. So Forex or Xanda? Uh both of them are fine. Go to the first one. Yeah. Perfect. That's it. So do you see 08? It went up Let's so much there. in 08. Yeah. How much percent yeah, is that? 493. Almost 500. Almost Gold's been trying to test that $50 range since the 1970s when the Hunt brothers tried to corner the market. It's an epic story. We have to get into that on another occasion. But once it breaks that $50 level, and we may have to test it a few times, it's going to be so explosive. Like We could one day see $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 silver, man. And then all of these crypto FOMO guys, they're going to start collecting like silver coins. They're going to start collecting silver jewelry. There's going to be like silver digital certificates. Like... It's going to be wild. And just remember, these same people that really say that they believe in crypto, they're going to be trading the next big thing next year, the next big thing five years from now. They just want to chase things, man. And they're just there for the returns. They're not there for the technology. I don't believe it for a second. Well, you know they're not there when you hear their comments, right? When somebody, when somebody asks why you're buying Doge and like, well, because cryptocurrencies is a hedge against fiat. Like, it's like, no, no, it's not. Not Doge. Like, there's maybe one hedge against fiat, and that's questionable. Like, Doge is absolutely not. Like, right. Yeah, it looks Dude, like I look absolutely at love this, man. I love that we can have a really great discussion on this, and we can just talk about facts, because the vast majority of people out there I just can't have a conversation with because when I say I'm bearish on Bitcoin, it's just like conversations shut down right away. I'm the same way, man. Like people ask me stuff all the time because they know that I trade and everything that I tell them, they don't listen to me and they do the opposite and then they're bitter because they lose money. I'm like, man, don't ask me if you're not going to listen. <laughs> and then they say, blame the banks. The system yeah, is rigged. And all, and they they call me a suit. It's the banks. It's the media it's this and that it's like yeah that stuff's all part of the game man you just got to learn how to learn how to read it yeah that's why more somebody, people should be watching our podcast yeah i was talking to somebody um a while back when it was like the spec i forgot which spec it was oh cciv uh Clover so the message uh uh no lucid motors yeah so 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 they were like so apparently it did like it dropped like 30 percent. i can't remember what it was in a day like something significant right they're like oh that's manipulation i'm like you Come didn't on. complain last week when it went up 300 percent. you didn't yeah. complain last week when it went up 300 percent. but you think it's manipulation this week when it goes down 40 you think maybe people just took profit like what the fuck yeah that's 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 the you know it's an old story man everybody when they lose money they complain and say it's manipulation when they make money they're happy as hell and think the markets are great yeah yeah yeah. Same old story happens time and time again, every single time. The biggest thing, I mean, it all comes back to psychology at the end of the day. The biggest thing, just don't chase it, make informed decisions, 
know your risk, know where you're, know where you're aiming for. I mean, you just got to think about it, you know, whether you're going to jump into something right this second, you know, wait a few days, it's not going to be that big a deal, you know, get your facts together and then make informed choices. That's all you have to do. But the thing is, man, most people shouldn't be managing their own money. They should be going to a professional and they should be going for someone that's educated, that goes through their risks and their goals and, um, different demographics. Like, you know, yeah. someone that's super old and doesn't have a long-term time horizon that's investing for like five years into retirement, maybe they should be more skewed towards like income stocks and bonds and they shouldn't be in crypto and cannabis and and the next trendy investment vehicle like SPACs. Like SPAC has been like the word of the year. And mm-hmm. again, we should get into it in another time because we're probably running out of time here. But uh, people should look at having someone professionally to manage their money uh, because this is games. It's not for everybody. Yeah. yeah. I, I have one question before. So let's finish off on that actually. So if somebody wants to get in the market and they either understand that they can't or don't have the time to, you know, research the fundamentals and learn technical analysis, how do you tell a good, cause not all managers are created equal, right? So how would you tell, you know, what are the characteristics would you recommend that these people look for? That's a good manager. Well, I would love to give my pitch, but unfortunately, I'm not going to do that today. But all that I can say is look for someone that has a good long-term track record, someone that's performed well, not over one year, not over five, but over a long period, like 20, 25 years. Somebody that you can trust, somebody that you can call up and say, hey, how is my money doing? And the last thing, someone that has skin in the game, somebody Mm -hmm. that is investing with you, someone that has your best goals in mind, because when you win, they win. Okay, so would you say that's an important question? Somebody walks into a financial advisor's place and they say, "Hey, do you have any skin in the game? Are you, you know, is your money, is your own money in this fund as well?" Yeah, well, I would ask them how they're incentivized. If they're incentivized right. by just having you uh, join a fund uh, that they're affiliated with and they're getting some sort of cutback or some sort of kickback, or they have uh, like a certain performance structure, so they're going to put you in super risky stuff so they can get a certain uh, fee there. Like you have to be super careful. You have to know the questions to ask. And uh, I've been doing this for a long time. My company has been doing this for the last 30 years. It's a family run business. Um, we eat our own cooking, so to speak. We have skin in the game. Um, we treat our own clients like they're our own family. And this is my passion. It's a lifelong passion. It's in my blood. It's in my family's blood. We've been doing this for like three generations. So when, um, people come and they ask me questions i'm always willing to answer it people can call me um any time of the day morning noon or night and i'm always willing to take their calls a lot of um hedge funds mutual funds you're not able to do that so for me um i really care for my clients we have a long-term track record we've been doing this for a long time and we're in it with them um our slogan is invest your money where we invest ours and that's exactly what we do yeah, I like that a lot because I because I just want to point out my mom. Uh, she invests through TD, so I'm running her RSP now. But she also has two other investment vehicles that uh, somebody from their wealth management side like put her in, right? And they've given her 10% returns in eight years. I don't even think she beat inflation. No, definitely. 10% return annualized. It, no total. What was she investing in? <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know because they're investment products, so I can't even see what's in them. Like, they're just, it's just opaque. 
and whatever it is yeah, that so we're so super transparent we give all of our holdings we're audited um we're super transparent you know exactly uh what you're invested in and the breakdowns the geography well and you cut out there Brandon. no <laughs> all right should we end it there <laughs> We'll, there. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll bring it up next week. And uh, I think we'll, we'll talk about Tesla earnings next week because I think they're coming out next Thursday. So I'm excited for that. that sounds good. Thanks for tuning right, in. Take care.